Turn with me to Psalm 100. This summer we're going through a sermon series entitled Familiar Psalms for Forgetful People. And uh, do Psalm 100 this week. We'll look at Psalm 103 next week, Lord willing. Then Jacob will come and preach on the 20th. And then we'll start back to our Exodus series on August 27th. And uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll wrap up Exodus uh, this fall. So, Psalm 100, very familiar psalm, maybe besides Psalm 23, the most familiar psalm in the Bible. This is what it says. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. We've already heard it this morning once, but it bears repeating. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would add your blessing to the reading and preaching of your word. This isn't just an exercise that we do, but it is a plea that you would open our hearts and our minds so that we can understand and hear and believe and repent and be transformed by your word, by your spirit, by the power of the gospel. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, July 1961, the Green Bay Packers had just reported for their first day of training camp, and their their previous season had ended uh, in a heartbreaking loss to the Philadelphia Eagles after blowing a fourth quarter lead in the championship game. This is pre-Super Bowl days, and so the players came into camp expecting to pick up where they left off, addressing the mistakes of the championship game, tweaking a few things on what was already a great team. What do we need to do to win the championship this year? And then Vince Lombardi entered the locker room, and he quieted the players down, and he was holding a football in his hand, and many of you know what he said next. Gentlemen, this is a football. And then he deliberately and unapologetically had every player turn to page one in their playbooks where they meticulously started to walk through the fundamentals of blocking and tackling, of throwing and catching. They started from the ground up, and frankly, some of the men were shocked They were confused. These were some of the best football players in the whole world. They were at the top of their sport, yet Coach Lombardi was committed to bringing them back to basics. And what was the result? Well, they won the championship that year, 37-0. Coach Lombardi would go on to win five championships in seven years, after that, he never coached a team with a losing season, and he never lost a playoff game. 
Psalm 100 is a back-to-basics reset. It's a reminder, it's a recalibration that helps retune our hearts and our minds and our lives around the most important truths of life. Because here's the thing. We, we tend to complicate things. We tend to overthink things at times. We're seven layers deep in the worst case scenario, and that's where we've landed so many times. Sometimes we, we just rush into things, and we don't count the cost, and we don't think about what it takes to, to go through a situation. So many times we dig in our heels, and in pride we say, nope, I'm not changing, there's no, way, there's no other way around this. Sometimes we, we focus on the negative, we grumble, we're sour, we're frustrated and angry with life and with God and with others. And so wherever you're coming from this morning, maybe struggling with sin, maybe wrestling with resentment, maybe amped up with anxiety, maybe apathetic, cynical, hopeful, trusting, doubting, content, Psalm 100 is a gift for us, a familiar psalm for forgetful people to help us get back to basics back on track, to rebuild, to reinforce in us the fundamentals of our faith, to help us keep on message and on mission, because we never get over the gospel of God, we never get past the good news of Jesus Christ. So, so let's think together about two things, our back-to-basics calling and our back-to-basics cause. First of all, our back-to-basics calling. What is the back-to-basics calling from Psalm 100? What's the fundamental message of the passage we were looking at this morning? It's not hard to, to see. It's not a trick. It's even listed, it's printed in the, the inscription at the very beginning. What's this psalm for? It's a psalm for giving thanks. So our back-to-basics calling is gratitude and thanksgiving. And that is, yes, an attitude. It's a mindset, a mentality. Sorry, not sorry. We're called to have an attitude of gratitude in our lives. And thanksgiving, we know, is part of God's solution to help us undo and unravel the anger and the, the anxiety and the fear and the discontentment that ties up our hearts and our minds so often. But it's not only an attitude. Our back-to-basics calling of gratitude and thanksgiving is also an action. It's an action. It's a calling. It's a command. Look with me in your Bibles. Look at verses 1 through 4 and see all the imperatives that are listed there. Make serve, come, know, enter, give, bless. Our back-to-basics calling is a calling of thanksgiving and gratitude. It's an, it's an attitude that works itself out in action. And we see this same principle with love from the Bible. When we think about what love is biblically, yes, there is that, that deep affection and connection, knitting our hearts together with other people and with God, but true love, what? It includes action. And so we, we read about it in the Scriptures. What did Jesus say? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
By this all men will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another, love is demonstrated and displayed in action. God did it. Remember Romans 5, 8? God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what is our back to basics calling? It's thanksgiving and gratitude in action and in our attitude. Where? Where do we live out our back to basics calling? Well, of course, we're called to give thanks everywhere, in every place, in every corner of our lives, but the context of Psalm 100 is, and the trajectory of Psalm 100 is in worship. It's specifically corporate worship. And this is something that we all know, but we need to be reminded of. Worship is part of God's good plan to keep us retuned and recalibrated and ready for life in a fallen world. And so Psalm 100 reminds us that thanksgiving expressed and experienced in the presence of God with the people of God is part of our back-to-basics practice that helps, helps us in every stage of life. And let me, let me illustrate it this way. Maybe 17 or 18 years ago, I was asleep in the middle of the night uh, at our home in Mississippi, and I heard this terribly loud crash in the living room. And I went from stage four REM sleep to fight or flight, jumped out of bed into the front room of our house in one fell swoop. I thought someone had kicked the front door into our house. And I, I sprang out of the bed and I went in there. I don't know what I was going to do, but I went in there and... Um, Thankfully, no one kicked the door in, but a giant painting had fallen off the wall. And a couple days earlier, I thought, you know, a big 16-penny a big nail will be fine to hold it into the drywall. And uh, I learned from experience that if you're hanging something heavy, like a painting or a mirror, or if you're mounting a TV on the wall, you have to find a stud you have to fasten and anchor it to something that's strong and sturdy, something that can hold the weight. Worship, particularly corporate worship, is one of those bedrock practices that teaches and trains and anchors us in God and with God, in gratitude, in thanksgiving, so that we can withstand and uphold the weight of life. Our back-to-basics calling, what, where. But let's look at the details of Psalm 100. How, what are the specifics, what are the specific commands and imperatives and invitations that we see from Psalm 100? Look at verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. I love how the, the psalmist begins with a, a general call to all the earth, to all creation. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. We often say this when we encourage people who aren't very good at singing at church, right? We say, well, you know, you may be tone deaf, but uh, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And that's good advice, but that's not what Psalm 100 verse 1 is talking about. Make a joyful noise is from the Hebrew root ruah, which means to shout 
in applause, to cry in triumph. You've been accepted to the college of your dreams. You got the job. You're cancer-free. She said, yes, it's a girl. Your team wins the big game. You know this, the shout of praise and triumph to God and with God. Our back-to-basics calling is to make a joyful noise to the Lord, to give grateful, thankful praise to God with joy. How are you praising God with your life? How are you celebrating with victory in who God is and what He's done? The passage goes on, verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness, first and foremost, in the context of worship, but in every area of of our lives, we're called to give ourselves to God. Our voices, our minds, our hearts, our hands, in service to God, to the Lord, to Yahweh, our great king, how? Serve the Lord how? With coldness, with self-righteousness, with arrogance, with reluctance, with grumbling, by keeping score? No, serve the Lord with gladness, with thankful hearts, spilling over to God and to others. Come into His presence how? With singing. Each of these imperatives, each of these commands is also an invitation. God welcomes us to worship Him. He invites us into His presence. And singing is an important part of worshiping God. Do you sing God's praises here? Is there a song for God and to God in your heart throughout your days, throughout your life? Come into His presence with singing. And verse 3, look, no. Our back-to-basics calling to thanksgiving is fueled by facts. It is data-driven. It involves knowing and remembering and recalling. All of us children of the 80s know knowing is half the battle, right? You remember G.I. Joe? Knowing is half the battle. So Psalm 103 tells us to, to know, remember what? First, the Lord is God, Yahweh. I am who I am. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe. He is God. It is He who made us. This is important to remember. We're not God. He made us, not we ourselves. We're not here by accident. We are not a clump of cells. God knit us together in our mother's womb We're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God with souls that will never die, but there's more. Verse 3 says, It is, know that the Lord, He is God, it is He who made us, and we are His. Because He is God and He made us, God has the trademark, He has proprietary rights over us. And we claim to run our own lives or to be, be the captain of my own soul. We deny and ignore this basic reality. Psalm 100, this section of Psalm 100, is is one of God's many cease and desist letters to us. When we try to say, I'm in charge. I'm running the show. No, you're not. He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people. God doesn't have just have ownership and authority over us 
We are His. We belong to Him. The rest of the Bible reminds us that God identifies with us. He cares for us. Notice what else it says. We are the sheep of His pasture. The Lord, Yahweh, God Almighty, self-existent, self-sustaining, maker of, and creator of the universe, He Himself shepherds and leads and protects and defends and guides and watches and tends and keeps and loves His sheep. He loves us to the very end. This is part of our back-to-basics calling. It's gratitude in knowing who God is and who we are and how He relates to us. Where and how in your life do you need to remember that God is God, that He made you, that you belong to Him, and that He shepherds you? The commandments go on. Our back-to-basics calling continues. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Verse 4. You remember last summer we studied the Psalms of Ascent. These were a special section of the Psalms that were God's, the playbook for God's people as they came and went from, from worship. Well, scholars believe that Psalm 100, even though it's not in that section, was probably part of the playlist for God's people as they sang and came to worship God. So as you come into His presence, He's called us to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. We're called to glorify and worship God as we do that. Verse 4 also tells us to give thanks to Him. Thanksgiving in worship, thanksgiving in life is a sacrifice of praise. It's action. It's an act where we give ourselves and our energy mental, emotional, physical, spiritually to God. We don't just show up. Maybe you've heard Some of our elders say, let's do the hard work of worship. We don't just show up here. We're called to give thanks to God, to actively worship Him. And then verse 4, bless His name. Every Sunday at the end of the service, we go forth with God's blessing. We cherish God's blessing. We want God's blessing. Remember Jacob in Genesis, he wrestled with God all night long. He would not let God go because he knew how desperately he needed the blessing of God. All his scheming and deceiving and conniving ways had run their course. He was at the end of his rope and he, he wrestled with God and essentially saying, God, I need you. No one else will do. And, and maybe you've been there before too, wrestling with God. Maybe not like Jacob wrestling with God all night, but you've been at the end of your rope. You've been at the end of yourself, raising the white flag of surrender, pleading for God's mercy and the blessing of God. God, I'm tired of trying to do it all myself. I can't run from you forever. God, I don't know what to do. God, would you bless me? Dear ones, it's only from that posture, that trust in the full and finished work of Jesus Christ that we can truly receive the blessing of God. And it's from that place of blessing, receiving the blessing of God, that we're empowered and enabled to bless God. We reflect His glory back to Him. So part of our calling as people and calling in worship is to give thanks to Him and to bless His name because He is 
poured out his blessing upon us. That's our back to basics calling. We need to remember it. But what's our back to basics cause? We've seen what, we've seen where, we've seen how God commands and instructs and invites us to give thanks to Him. But why? What is the cause? What is the motor? What is the motivation? What is the powerhouse for us to pursue attitudes and actions of thanksgiving and gratitude to God in worship and in life? Verse 5 tells us, For the Lord is good. Yahweh, I am who I am, God is good. Psalm 86.5, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving. Psalm 147.9, The Lord is good to all. Psalm 23, you know it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, shall chase me down all the days of my life. And, and remember Exodus 33, when Moses was with God on the mountain, and God told Moses, can you imagine hearing these words? God told Moses, you have found favor, you have found grace in my sight. And Moses had the faith and the courage to say, please show me your glory, God. And do you know what God said next? I will make all my goodness. I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, Yahweh, the Lord. So when we think about the glory of God, it is, when we think about His character and His majesty and His being, it is directly connected to His goodness. What is our back-to-basics cause? Why give thanks to God? Because God is good. Let's be honest. Sometimes we struggle here. We struggle to believe that God is good when things don't go the way that we planned. When things don't work on the timetable that we want. When our plans fall apart, we wonder, maybe just in the back of my mind, if God is really good. When we're faced with the devastating diagnosis or a sudden loss or overwhelming grief or deep disappointment or when we're faced with long-haul challenges that can wear us down and burn us out, we ask, are things ever going to change? Is God good? When we've been betrayed and hurt, and attacked, and maligned, and misunderstood. Where are you, God? Does He care? Can I trust Him? That's when we go back to basics, and we rehearse, and remember, and recall who God is, and what He's like. And Psalm 105 not only states that God is good, but it gives us two fundamental aspects of the goodness of God. The second part of verse 5 shows us why. 
Why embrace our back to basics calling? Because His steadfast love endures forever. This is God's hesed, covenant, promise-filled, always forever love. His redeeming and forgiving and patient and merciful, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, love. This is God's eternal and unchangeable and unmerited and unearned love from Him. And notice what it says, His steadfast love endures forever. It lasts Think about endurance races, you know, a marathon. People now run like 50 or 100 mile races. It's about endurance. It's about the long haul. Brothers and sisters, God's love for you is not a flash in the pan. It is not here today and gone tomorrow. It's not a fad or a phase. It endures. It lasts. It is timeless. And this is so important for us to hear in a, in a throwaway world where it feels like everything is disposable. We need to remember that God endures with us. God's love endures with us, even through our stubborn selfishness, even through our wayward wanderings, through our besetting sins, through our lack of faith. God's love never fails. Why? Go back to basics in giving thanks. Because God is good and His steadfast love endures. It lasts forever. And notice what else it says in verse 5. His faithfulness endures to all generations. The New King James says it this way. His truth endures to all generations. Why? Should we embrace our back-to-basics calling because God is true. God is faithful. He made us. We are His. We're the sheep of His pasture. He's good. He's loving. And He is faithful and true. In a world of broken promises and inconsistencies and hypocrisy and failure and faithlessness out there and faithlessness in here, God's faithfulness is a bedrock for us. And notice, His faithfulness isn't just for a while. It isn't just uh, for one generation. Literally, it's generation to generation. Year after year. Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, God's faithfulness extends. Remember His promise to Abraham, your offspring will be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. God is faithful. Why give thanks? Why worship? Why pursue our back-to-basics calling? It's because of our back-to-basics cause. God is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness endures to all generations. I want to close with an illustration about the goodness of God, an illustration that uh, I borrowed from Jonathan Gibson, he's a pastor and a professor at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, and he wrote a children's book a few years back that uh, was meant to help his son and also himself, I'm sure, process loss and grief in their lives. And the, the book is called The Moon is Always Round. Maybe you've heard of it. It's based on conversations that Pastor Gibson 
would have with his three-year-old son, Ben. Ben loved the moon. Ben was obsessed with the moon. Every time they were outside in the evening or looking through the window of his bedroom, he would look for the moon, he'd find the moon, and then he would say to his dad, the, the moon looks like a banana tonight, Daddy. The moon looks like a slice of apple. The moon looks like a, a shriveled orange. And each time his father would reply, that's what it looks like, son, but remember, the moon is always round. In our lives, there are so many times where we, we don't see the moon. We, maybe they're clouds, maybe we see a sliver of the moon or half of the moon, maybe we see it shining brightly and full in the night, so, in the night sky, but we know, we remember that the moon is always round. And that same principle is true about the goodness of God. Even though we don't understand what's going on, even though it feels like the light of God's love is gone, His plan is derailed, it may feel like He's not on His throne in heaven when it feels like His goodness is partial or totally blocked and we can't see it at all. We know the moon is always round and we know that God is always good. And what better way to remember that than to celebrate the Lord's Supper. To celebrate His good gift. When we struggle to give thanks to God, to remember and believe that God is good, we look to the cross, we look to the empty tomb, we look to His body broken and His blood shed for us, and we remember that if God did not spare His one and only Son, but delivered Him for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to embrace your call in our lives of worship and thanksgiving and gratitude because you are good, your steadfast love endures forever, and your faithfulness to all generations. We pray, asking for help to believe it. In Jesus' name, amen.